Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You know, I would like to say that things took off at that point, but really, you know, there were, there were another six or seven years of struggle. Um, we were on food stamps. We lived in rough neighborhoods where, where, you know, SWAT teams came and, you know, there were crack houses and um, all kinds of like really, you know, just nasty stuff that you don't want to, you don't want to raise kids around. Um, but she, you know, we, we never lost the vision, um, never gave up, although it was hard. Um, we were, you know, evicted multiple times, um, lost vehicles, didn't, you know, didn't know, um, you know, sometimes where we were going to get the money to pay bills. Um, and, um, and then, you know, but the cool thing is that she was there with me that whole time. My wife, um, she was, and she was just the most encouraging person. She's like, I know you're going to do this. Like, and, you know, I'd be like, I, w- I would reach the point where I'd be like, you know what? I just need to quit and go get a job. Um, and she'd be like, no, you're not going to do Thanks all for tuning into Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life forward to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome. I'm here with Michael Hearn, and I don't know, we're, are you in North Carolina, Florida, Massachusetts? Florida. Where are you right now, man? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Florida on the northeast side of the, the state. So you made it back home from your family trip up to Boston, road tripping from Florida to Boston. How was that? It was good. Right. We took about two weeks. We hit Boston, New York, um, Washington, D.C., hit Mount Vernon on the way up. And it was about probably three to five days too long because by the time we got home, everybody was ready to choke each other out. I don't know many people who get to go on vacation for too long, but I I met Michael at a real estate conference in Boston a few weeks ago. He and I were exhausted from all the networking, and somehow we ended up talking. I don't know. He was sent off to himself. I walked up and said, hey, man, I'm tired, too. And we just started talking there, and he just shared some of the most interesting stories and things that, you know, you never would have guessed if you didn't spend the time talking to him. And so as he was sharing his story and some of the triumphs and some of the tragedy in it, 
I just asked him if he'd be willing to jump on the podcast with me and share some of those. So, Michael, I didn't spend any time talking about what you've done professionally or what your ambitions are in real estate. So will you give the listeners a little bit about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah. So we um, have a few businesses that are operating businesses that throw off, you know, some decent cash flow, and we're looking to take that money and put it over into real estate, uh, both to put it to work and to get some tax advantages from it. So um, we have several joint ventures um, where we publish documentary series um, on health and financial related topics. And then we also have a skincare company um, that provides like anti-aging creams, stuff like that. So um, but yeah, I've been uh, selling stuff on the internet for going on, you know, somewhere around 13 or 14 years, you know, here we are. <laughs> so how did you get into selling the stuff on the internet? Um, so I was doing direct mail to dig up real estate deals. Um, and I fell in love with right. I'm going to do that. That will kill you. Like, I'm not going to let you do that. I would send, you know, a, a small batch of letters and, you know, get, get a bunch of leads and then never mail a letter again and write a new one. And, and what I figured out was that I, um, I enjoyed the writing part of it and discovered that, you know, I could do the same thing on the internet um, without the, you know, the mailing costs and just sort of segued over to that. Um, had a couple of partnerships and then wound up landing some of the the biggest people in the business um, as early clients and just, you know, over the years, you know, sold several hundred million dollars worth of products and um, figured out that, you know, the highest and best leverage use of that skill was to acquire businesses and then apply it there to grow them. And, you know, similar to real estate, you know, it's a, it's a um, multiple multiplier valuation model with businesses. So, you know, coming in, acquiring a business, growing top line revenues and you know, bottom line profits, you know, you're able to create um, massive wealth um, by, by doing that. Just like, you know, coming into a, an apartment complex, raising the rents, you know, you've got a, a multiplier effect. Nice. So is it safe to say you're a copywriter? Did you like go to school for that or how did you learn how to write copy? Yeah, so um, I've <clears throat> I've definitely I did not go to school. I joined the Marine Corps out of high school, and um, they, I had three out of four years there because they had enough of my crap. And uh, um, it turns out I have a problem with authority. And <laughs> um, so I ultimately figured out that I was um, built to be an entrepreneur. And you know, really, I came across copywriting out of failure. Um, so, you know, uh, sending, uh, spending money on advertising that didn't work. I said, Hey, there's gotta be a better way to do this. There's a right way to do it. So, um, I went out and I picked up every, do you know who Dan Kennedy is? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I went and bought every book that he wrote that was in the Barnes and Noble, uh, close to my house. And I read them all within like 30 days. Yeah. And, um, and that was my first exposure. And then Dave Lindahl actually, you know, was my second exposure to, to putting that to work to find real estate deals. And then once I um, moved to online marketing, 
I, you know, since then, um, I originally was learning from like bootleg copies of, uh, of uh, copywriting courses, but ultimately I've invested, you know, probably, you know, $20,000 or more into copywriting courses, home study stuff. And, you know, couple that with, um, <clears throat> I don't know, you know, the number one skill in, in business is selling, right? So, um, you know, copywriting is just salesmanship and print. And so I applied the same, you know, the skills that allow me to persuade someone in writing to face-to-face -face selling. Um, and as a result, you know, I've, you know, worked on probably 70 or 80 different projects. Um, and so just, you know, after all that time spent, you know, you hit that 10,000 hour mark and, and, you know, you start to hit your stride. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was a story. <laughs> wow. So what was the point in the Marines where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to figure it out on my own. Yeah. Well, it was, um, so I got like, I, I was promoted really fast, um, up from an E1 to an E4. I became a corporal within two years. Um, and then I switched commands to uh, a Mew, which is, Marine Expeditionary Unit, and when I got there, um, they didn't, they didn't, uh, they weren't big fans of me outside of the workplace. So I was going down to Tijuana, getting in fights. Um, you know, I I was just like uh, I was young, I was wild, um, and I kept I kept getting in trouble for you know drinking and fighting. I got like stabbed in Mexico and <laughs> like came back like I wasn't supposed to be in Mexico, and I was kind of busted when they stabbed me. <laughs> Um, and so it was a series of non-judicial punishments. Um, and after like getting three non-judicial punishments within six months, they decided, um, that, uh, it, it was a good time to, to part ways. And, uh, I, and so I did, <clears throat> they, um, they released me a year early. <laughs> so did you go back home? What happened from there? Yeah. Um, so at that point I was pretty aimless. Um, I didn't, you know, I was, I was 19 at the time. I, I didn't get into all the, all the dirt. Um, I had two kids by that time and I, you know, just, you know, aimless, didn't have any, um, direction, didn't have any vision, um, no goals. You know, my ambition was to, yeah. So my ambition was, you know, pretty much just, you know, my vision went as far as the, you know, the, the end of the day. Um, so I kind of, you know, between 20 and, um, you know, 22, I was, I was fairly wild. Um, and I was in the Dallas, Texas area and, um, trying to think about how much dirt I want to reveal on myself. Let's just say I wasn't sober a whole lot. Um, and so let's see. So I had two more kids by the time I was 25 and I had a, so I married, I got my high school, anyways, I got my high school girlfriend pregnant. We got married and divorced by the time I was 19. Um, I repeated that process with a, with a lady who um, was not very nice. And um, so somewhere in around, around in, in all that, like I was doing it work um, from, I, I worked, I picked that skill up in the Marine Corps. That was not my primary MOS, but, I uh, went to Iraq um, for seven months and came back and then I was going to go back to Iraq and on the flight over there, I picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki and I read it 
on the flight and I got to um, Amsterdam and turned around and came back home to start my first business because up until that point, nobody had really told me like, Hey, anybody can start their own business. You don't have to get a job to get money. You don't have to, you know, follow the path that, that, you know, 90% of people follow. You can start your own business. You can invest. Um, there's a better way to, to get money and to grow it and to, um, you know, to become wealthy. So I caught that, I caught that vision immediately. Of course, I had no idea how hard it was going to be. Uh, and so I, you know, I came back, um, ex wife was not very supportive of, of the vision that I caught. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was, she was brutal, man. She would, she would tell me I was, I was a loser and that, you know, that other people could do what I was trying to do, but I would never be able to because I was too much of a loser. Um, and yeah, yeah. At some point I just got, I had enough of that. It's like, Hey, change or leave. She didn't hesitate. She left the house in a snowstorm. Uh, and you know, but I, I told her, you know, the kids are staying with me. So became a single dad. And that's when I met, you know, the most amazing woman in the world, my wife, uh, Victoria, who is the polar opposite. You know, I, I would like to say that things took off at that point, but really, you know, there were, there were another six or seven years of struggle. Um, we were, we were on food stamps. We lived in rough neighborhoods where, where, you know, SWAT teams came and crack houses and all kinds of like really, you know, just nasty stuff that you don't want to you don't want to raise kids around, but she, you know, we, we never lost the vision, um, never gave up, although it was hard. We were, you know, evicted multiple times, lost vehicles, didn't know, um, you know, sometimes where we were going to get the money to pay bills. The cool thing is, is she was there with me that whole time. My wife, um, she was, and she was just the most encouraging person. She's like, I know you're going to do this like and, you know I'd be like I, I would reach the point where I'd be like you know what I just need to quit and go get a job um, and she'd be like no you're not going to do that that will kill you like I'm not going to let you do that and we had our first little successful business adventure and we had a couple of partners in that business I wrote all the copy for that it was a it was a launch about I don't want to talk about what it was about but it was a launch uh, <laughs> online we sold a product we did about fifty thousand dollars in a week and wow. thought like oh, this is like i'm you know dancing around the house and stuff but then my partners never distributed any of that money to me Ouch. so <laughs> and there's there's been a lot of like you know you, you play in business long enough you're going to get screwed over that's happened to me more than one time and even even when you have contracts in place people will still 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 do that to you uh, but as a result i now you know I actually, <laughs> it's funny, I haven't, I haven't thought about this stuff in a long time. I met my current business partner right after that. He was my first copywriting client because I, I said, all right, I got, I got a family to feed, you know, sitting around feeling sorry for myself isn't going to do anybody any good. So I was like, I know that copywriting is a skill that's in demand for online marketers and so his name is Nathan Hopkins. He had seen me walk in through the neighborhood and I had, I had like a mohawk and a big beard and like I have all my Marine Corps tattoos on my arms. And he saw me and he was like, and he's a weirdo like me too. He's, he's out there on the fringes um, and, uh, you know, said, Hey, I want to meet that guy. And then we bumped into each other at a networking event. He came over and said, Hey, I've seen you walking through my neighborhood. And it turns out that he was 
I don't know if, if you're not familiar with the digital marketing landscape, you may not know these names, but there's a company out there called Digital Marketer. It used to be Idea Incubator. It was, it was started in the college dorm room uh, by Ryan Dice. Nate was Ryan Dice's dorm room mate. And wow. they started that business together. Yeah. And so Nate was my first copywriting client for a small project he had. And it was him, Ryan Dice, and a guy named John Benson, who is one of these like famous copywriting gurus. And so I wrote them a video sales letter and John Benson loved it. And, you know, started referring a ton of business to me. I started to experience success. Like I want, I want to like the first half of that year, we made like two or $3,000. And then the last half we made over a hundred thousand dollars. And we thought, we thought we were just like, <laughs> we thought that was the greatest thing ever and it was it was awesome you know we, we thought it would last forever and um, you know we, there would never be any bad times again <laughs> and so we we wasted a lot of money we didn't invest after gosh man after several projects you know we had a sales letter that I wrote for a client and it did 2.7 million dollars in the first 45 days whoa yeah yeah it was it was exciting it was a um a supplement to help regulate blood sugar i started buying media for the first time to that to that funnel so i was spending i don't know maybe like a thousand dollars a day on facebook but i was spending twenty dollars to get a customer and then making ninety dollars on every customer so i was I was rolling the ad spend over as fast as I could. Uh, we were on pace, you know, to clear six figures that month. And I got a call on the day that they were supposed to send me that check. And they said, we're not sending you the check or, you know, we, we have cash flow issues. <clears throat> that same day, my bank accounts got hit by the attorney general in the state of Texas because I had never changed my divorce paperwork with an ex-wife. So technically I was still racking up all this child support payments. Um, we, we got it corrected. We got it fixed. You know, they wiped that out because the girls have been living with me for a while at that point. But that didn't change the fact that, you know, we went from being way up here high on the hog and to like right back having nothing and no prospects at the same, the same time I found out that, um, that one of my daughters had been abused and went through, it was hell, man. It was, it was hard. We, we went through a rough patch as a result of all of that stuff, just kind of like snowballing and hitting all at once. I was fortunate because I was able to keep at least one client contract going through that time period. Mm -hmm. uh, but like I, I had other business stuff going on and I just, told them I was like I can't do this I don't I can't I don't have it in me to do it right now uh, but we were able to at least you know keep food on the table and keep a roof over our head uh, we did get evicted that was the last time we got evicted we were able to uh, rebuild from there and you know it took a couple of years before things sort of like normalized again and I, I, I got my juice back and was was ready to go back out there and um, you know go hard again and so we did worked with a company, a financial publisher out of Florida, moved up here, stopped working with them, but 
before that happened, I realized, you know, I had that epiphany. I was like, okay, I sold hundreds of millions of dollars of stuff on the internet and, you know, the highest leverage use is to acquire a business and apply that. Went out, man, there's a ton of details, but it'd be boring. Um, and just started, you know, making deals at this point. Like I said, we have several, several companies that are cash flowing very well. We launched a new company in April. <clears throat> that's um, grossed north of $4 million in that amount of time. Um, and then we have a few other businesses that are, you know, they cash flow a few hundred thousand dollars a month and that's all gross. So like, that's not me. I'm not taking all that money out. There's, there's other partners involved and, um, you know, staff and expenses. Um, and yeah. I don't even think that part's important. I think, you're not selling like a super, it's not like you're selling real estate and you know, those numbers are like super inflated. Like you guys are doing a lot of sales, right? I mean, there's no, there's no confusion about the product. Like what's the average product cost? Like 30 bucks, a hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, some cases it can get up to a few hundred dollars. Yeah. But, but you know, to translate that into millions, I mean, you are, doing a lot of sales. So what, let me back up because you, you've, you've went a really long way and I just, I absolutely appreciate your transparency and your vulnerability because I think a lot of people have romanticized what entrepreneurship is, right? And they, they see the highs. Everybody wants to show everybody their highs, but they don't see the lows on the roller coaster. And you know, it's like heckle and jive, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like some days you can feel like you're on top of the world. Other, you can feel like the world is stomping on top of you. So you were on the plane, you get to Amsterdam, you say, I'm not going to complete my trip to Iraq. Instead, yep. I'm going to get on the next thing smoking back to Dallas. Yep. And so um, what about that book? gave you such a epiphany like what is there a page or a sentence in that book because i'm sure you remember first of all like if yeah anybody that's watching that hasn't hasn't read it just read it um it's it's eye-opening robert kiyosaki was in our docuseries the last one we released in april and it's just the the things that he teaches about money are they're not taught in school um unless you were fortunate and born into a wealthy family your family didn't teach them because they didn't know about them. But it's it's just about how the wealthy do not work for money. And what it was, it was almost like it gave me permission to go out. And it gave me like probably two things, permission and just a little bit of know-how. But it, it just changed the way I thought about money altogether. You know, he talks about investing in real estate in there and about starting businesses if, if you are you familiar with this cash flow quadrant yeah the es and the bi so you know i knew i didn't want to be on the ens side um, i wanted to be on the bni side i don't know man like it was it was it was just a book <laughs> like there, there i don't know that there was like a particular part of it just um i realized that there was a there was a like it's like I found a back door or like uh, like I found a secret entrance and like I, I, I all of a sudden I knew that it was possible to do things that I'd never even considered. You know, you, you, people think that that 
you become wealthy by becoming a rock star or, you know, becoming famous and, you know, being a movie star or um, a sports player, you know, something like that. But it's, it's possible for, for anyone to become wealthy that like anybody, it doesn't matter like where you start. If you follow the principles that are outlined in that book, eventually, and you don't give up, then eventually, you know, anyone can become wealthy. So when you're talking about not want to be in the E or the S, the employee or self-employed, I, I guess the takeaway is you don't want to trade your hours for dollars, right? And so if you're on the left side of the cash flow quadrant, that's the underlying principle. You want it to be mm-hmm. either a business owner or somebody who owns a system that works without them making it work or an investor, right? And basically yeah. both of those are people who own assets and the assets create additional revenue. Yeah. And I like what, you, what you've done with like the marketing, right? Cause you, you write the copy once or you make the video content once and then yeah. you just create a system to put it in front of people and then they go through the funnel to actually make the transaction. But you're not doing the one-to-one piece where you're trying to sell each person on each transaction. And I don't even know how you could with the numbers that you guys are doing through the internet. So Exactly. I mean, we've sold 8,000 plus copies of the, the financial docuseries, uh, Money Revealed. And you know, in four months, and I don't know what the math is on that, but for us to talk to that many people one-on-one in four months would be a pretty busy, uh, pretty busy day. There's a lot of parallels though to real estate. It's intellectual property at the end of the day, and each website can be an asset that throws off cash flow. But, you know, you touched on, on the fact that, you know, it's selling one to many. So, Anytime you can gain that kind of leverage, um, it's the same thing that happens with people who pitch from stage. Their sales pitch and their spill may not be a whole lot different from what they would do in a, in a room one-to-one, but they're getting leverage because they're able to talk to hundreds or thousands of people at once. So anytime you can do that, you, know, you've, you create massive leverage. Okay, so you've, you've had the success in the internet, you've had a lot of struggles, and through all of that, do you have maybe three of your biggest lessons that you can just pluck out and say, you know, had I known this when I was 19, then life would have been a lot easier? One is, is, is the one that nobody wants is, you know, it's work hard and persevere. It takes hard work. It takes more work than you want it to take. And it takes perseverance. Like you've got to, you've got to stick to it long enough to get there. That's uh, probably one that nobody likes. Two, you know, is is your mindset. You know, the way that you think about money. Um, wealthy people really do know stuff that poor and middle class people don't. Um, and so, you've got to change your perception of money in order to you know, break through to the next level. People seem to think that there's not a lot of money or that money is scarce. I, I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say it's like 63 or $93 trillion that changes hands every single day, every single day. You know, even if it's just $63 trillion that changes hands, you don't have to get, you know, 
a, a huge chunk of that to make you know your life amazing. And then I would say probably this is probably one of the, the better ones, which is that this is not a do-it-yourself um, game. You know, a solo entrepreneur is going to get run over by bigger teams who have a game plan. So don't, don't do it all yourself. It's better to take a smaller piece and have partners or to pay some of the cash flow to employees because at that point you're able to leverage other people's time and other people's knowledge and other people's, you know, expertise and skills and talents, all those things. So, you know, you know, everybody's got 24 hours in a day unless you have, you know, a dozen employees and then you've got 12 times 24 every day, 12 times eight, depending on how, how long they work. Um, but that's, you know, that's massive. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's dive a little deeper on that, right? Because you said have partners, but you also mentioned that your partners have taken advantage of you. Um, So how, how do you pick your partners now? It's funny because I'm parroting a lot of the stuff that that I learned um, and I heard from other people coming up. So I I may sound like I know a lot, but like, I'm just like, I've read a lot of books. um, And one of the things that, I, I don't remember who it was, but it, it's like you got to kiss a lot of frogs before you find the right people. It's a lot like dating where there's there's the practical aspects of it, but then there's the interpersonal stuff, which is, you know, do you get along with this person? But really, it um, I think the, the key thing that I've learned really in the last year is that your values have to align with your partners. If your values are the same, you'll get through the hard times. But if your values are different, then you won't. You know, I don't know if there's any way to avoid people who have a a lack of integrity or a lack of morals entirely. You know, definitely it's good to have people that have been vetted and approved by other people that you know. So after, you know, over a decade in the business, you know, I know a lot of people and my current partners, my main partner who's partnered with me on all, on all the businesses, um, Nathan, I've, I've known him, you know, we're, we're friends. He's my, he's my best friend besides my wife in the, in the world. So there was no risk there. He and I have the same values. We believe in the same things, the, the things that, you know, we, we see out there that we despise and hate people being abused and used by other people that, those things line up perfectly. So that, that one was easy, but the other guys that we're partnered with, they know people that we know that we've also known for many years. And so we were able to, to vet them and know that, Hey, these guys have a track record of doing business the right way with integrity. And, you know, so going into it, I mean, it's like the event we were at there's, you know, in in a room full of a thousand people, you know, 80 to 90% of them, are not like they haven't done anything yet. So, you know, they have the ambition and the desire, they're eager, maybe even desperate in some cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you're at that level, you know, you work with what you got. That's why you got to kiss some frogs. But there are, then there's, you know, the people who have got some deals under their belt, they've done a few things and they've started to develop a network. 
and those people know each other in most cases and they um they know who's doing things and who's not doing things and you know so as you develop that network that really can i go back like that's probably one of the most powerful things you can do is you know regardless of you know what type of business you want to be in what kind of entrepreneurial venture investments that there's a reason that there's an old adage it's not what you know it's who you know um, it's absolutely true um, so you know it goes back to that team thing um, if if you're trying to play the game alone you're going to lose Hey guys, back in 2016, me and the team decided to formalize Dreamcatchers as an organization that can help people achieve their wildest dreams. If this is you, please visit our website at dreamshouldbereal.com in order to find out the details of our services and how we can help you become a Dreamcatcher. Talk to you soon. Yeah, so, you know, avoiding bad partners, do everything you can to vet them, you know, make sure your values align. Just accept the fact that you're going to lose sometimes. Like that anybody who thinks anybody who thinks they're going to become an entrepreneur without without screwing the whole thing up royally uh, before you, before you start to get some things right is just delusional. Learning by failing, um, but failing forward. So I like it. So if there if you had a time machine mm-hmm. and you go back and change something, is there something you go back and change, or something you go back and do over again? Imagine when I go to Mexico and get in a bar fight, but you might. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have the story. <laughs> or the scar. <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, I, if I could take the wisdom with me and the network, I would, I would be successful faster. But, you know, the only way that I gained the wisdom was by the experiences. You know, I, I look back at some of the stupider things I did, like, you know, making a lot of money and then just wasting it on consumer items. That's, that's no good. Um, but, but I think in my personal experience, I don't know that there's really anybody who has been highly successful. And I, by the way, like, I feel like I'm just at the base of the mountain, to, you know, where I want to be successful wise, who hasn't done that, you know, I, everybody the first time you get get money or whether you know what feels to you like a lot of money it's like you know let's go you know do what you see in the in the music videos you know let's let's go buy a bunch of of dumb stuff that that makes you poorer and not not save um, not invest you know but really you know that's 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 where it's at you know that's how the um you know, the people who become fabulously wealthy, become billionaires, they, they didn't do it by buying the yachts. They, they got there and then they bought the yachts. Um, but, but we invert that because we're watching from the outside and we didn't see everything that got them there. Going back to what you said earlier, everybody sees, sees the guy at the top and it's like, Hey, that guy is, you know, <laughs> it was easy. You know, uh, yeah. What, uh, I'll put you on the spot, man. What's the stupidest thing you bought? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about that. that is <laughs> um, um, but let's see. <laughs> um, Let's see. Um, so I would say that probably one of the things that I've, 
I wasted more money on than I should have was I'm a, I love guns. You know, I, I grew up in Texas, um, love to shoot, um, obviously, you know, illegally and not, you know, not, not anything bad with, um, you know, as in the Marine Corps, because I, I want to protect people, not hurt people. Um, but spent a lot of money on guns when I shouldn't have. And, um, you know, spent uh, money on vehicles, you know, that I shouldn't have spent. Um, You're a car guy? Or would you buy like a big truck? Like, what'd you buy? I don't know what people buy in Texas. Come on, talk to me. I'm a car guy. My ambition is to buy a Ferrari. Um, <laughs> no, I did not buy a Ferrari. I wouldn't have. Uh, I didn't have that kind of money. Um, <laughs> um, I, I bought a... Uh, a big Ford excursion and put a six inch lift kit on it and some big mud tires. And I like to go off roading. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you put the 33s on it and did you, did you do the diesel conversion and have smoke coming out the back and everything oh, or what? I had a, yeah, I had a 7.3 liter turbo diesel on it and, uh, Yes! Yeah. <laughs> it's only right. I mean, it's Texas, dude. Come on. Exactly. I, you know what? I, I, I never thought I would do that. Like, I, but I, I bought it. It was a four-wheel drive, and I took it off-road one time, and that was the mistake because it was, it's ridiculously fun. Like you get a, like, you know, you got your truck going up this steep incline, you know, you're like, am I going to flip over? Like, it's this huge adrenaline rush. And then, uh, you know, plus being out there in nature, you know, like it was just, I was hooked instantly. So then I dropped a whole lot of money into getting it uh, more off-road capable. Yep. But that's what it's about, right? It's about enjoying life at some point, right? Some degree, that, yes, absolutely. That is um, your wildest dreams, though, at that point, for what you could dream of, right? Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, I still like I my I, I don't have anything crazy. I want I I learned at that point that whenever you you mess with the the stock configuration, it creates problems. So I've got a, a Tundra TRD Pro, which is like the the most off road capable truck you can get out there stock and I got it because I you know I still want to go off-road but I don't want to I don't want to try to be an engineer I'm not an engineer uh, the Toyota company has some great engineers and they've designed these things to the point where it won the Baja 1000 stock division I don't know I bet the excursion looks a whole lot better than that looks though like modded out. <laughs> I'm a car guy, man. You're not going to convince me that you're not supposed to do this. It'll come back. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling the itch, man. Like I want to, I want to, um, I want to put some drawers in the bed and get a rooftop tent and do a few things like that. But that's not going to hurt the performance. Come on. That's easy. You're not doing gin or suspension mods. I, I don't know. It, <laughs> I could talk about this all day. <laughs> so that'll be our next uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna come down there and go with you. I want I want to see what you're doing. What um what gift were you giving the world, Michael? Yeah, dude, great question. So money revealed is you know it's funny because I I didn't want to I didn't want to launch a new business because you know starting a business from scratch is hard. It's much easier to come in and buy a business that's already working 
and has a team in place and has a market and customers and all that stuff. But when I saw the quality of the content, I, I was hooked. Uh, actually, my partners were trying to talk us in another direction and I was pretty much like, no, that's the one we're going to do. Um, we're going to do that project because like I said, you know, people don't teach what it takes to become financially successful in school. They don't teach it in college. The only place it's taught is around the dinner table in wealthy families. And, and, you know, if you're fortunate to stumble into the right section of the bookstore to pick up a book like rich dad, poor dad, or, you know, if you, if you basically were not taught how to, Oh man, my mind's going in 50 directions. So you asked me earlier, what was the thing that, that like sort of stood, stood out what, in Robert's book? It was freedom. Entrepreneurs are free people. They are able to do what they want, when they want, with whoever they want, as long as they want. And no one can tell them what to do because they're financially independent. Now, you know, Maybe that's a slight stretch. If, if you go do illegal things, they'll still lock you up, but you can afford a better attorney. <laughs> so, yeah, all, jokes, all jokes aside, though, Money Revealed teaches people, not, not in depth, but like we, had, we interviewed 60 different people who are self-made multimillionaires and even a couple, a couple of billionaires in there who are just sharing their story. They're saying, this is what we did. These are the lessons we learned. And, you know, this is how we became financially successful and it's funny because some of them like they contradict each other <laughs> and it's like it just like it shows there's no single path um what works for me won't work for you and vice versa you know and and multiply that times all the people because we all have unique gifts from god we have you know talents you know natural skills and then our upbringings impact us our our you know passions the things we enjoy all those things factor into the equation. But when I saw that this was a chance for us to teach people the things that no school is ever going to teach them about how to become financially successful, that this is the capitalism is the best way to lift people up out of poverty. I mean, capitalism created the United States of America, the economy that we enjoy now where our poorest people are wealthier than huge swaths of the world population. I mean, go to what we call third world countries and they're shanty towns where, you know, they're ruled by the local, you know, Lord um, who inflicts his will on the population. And, you know, there's in, in the, the fundamental issue there is that there's no property rights systems. In America, I buy a piece of real estate, I get title. And we have a whole legal system that backs that up. So that if I take, you know, if, if you buy a property, it's yours. And if I try to come violate your property rights, we've got a property rights system to protect you. You know, capitalism empowers the individual to become successful, to create wealth, that can be passed on from generation to generation. And the issue though, is that they're not teaching that in schools and they don't teach it in schools because they need worker bees. They, they need employees who are modern day servants, a less politically correct way of putting that. But you know, it's, it's the same thing that it's always been. It's where the powerful and wealthy few elites 
are trying to keep the common people down. But the way to escape that is through knowledge, is through information, is through somebody showing you and telling you this is an option for you. This is, there's nothing special about the people who have more money than you. They just know some things that you don't know. And so Money Revealed was a way for us to put that type of education and information in front of a lot of people and to do it in a really cool way. It's actually 100% free for people to watch it and they can buy it if they want it, but they can watch the whole thing for free. So when, um, when I saw that, it just it, it ignites the passion um, in me. When I first became an entrepreneur, you know, I, I wanted to tell everybody, I'm like, wait, you just don't know this. Like, wait, if you just knew this was an option and you wouldn't be doing the things you're doing, but nobody wanted to listen because <laughs> I was still broke as a joke. <laughs> so at this point, you know, now like we've got people who are watching it and they're just like, oh my gosh, you blew my mind. And you know, the feedback from people and, and not just, not just us based people who can you know afford to invest the you know 100 to 200 bucks to own the series but people from you know these third world countries who who probably wouldn't have access to this information except for the internet and us making it available to them for free so i mean i just i just dig it it's you know it's my favorite project and you know on, on the health side obviously health's really important you know people need to know how to um how to take care of themselves because the modern medical system is broken. The healthcare system is broken. You know, we, we, we try to fix everything with a pill, but the pharmaceutical companies aren't creating pills that cure They're They're creating pills that treat a symptom. So mm -hmm. they have a patient and a customer for life. Whereas we're able to tell people, you know, ancient medicine, you know, how, how people have taken care of themselves for, you know, thousands of years um, by eating right. And, you know, taking care of themselves. And so I'm able to, you know, <clears throat> impact people's lives on that side as well. Um, partnered with some, some doctors who are able to, um, you know, bring both the traditional medical stuff to work as well as, you know, like Eastern medicine and chiropractic principles and stuff like that. So, so um, I don't know, it's cool, but it's all through education. Um, yeah. I think you said it earlier you know, education, the education system is broken. And so we need to present these lessons in different mediums. And I think that's what you guys are doing. And you're not making it so that it's restrictive, right? By making it available. Like I found Money Revealed. I found it on YouTube. And so I watched the first hour and a half because it was out there for free, right? And so... I signed up on a website, but, you know, you guys are still in the process of re-releasing. So I haven't got the other episodes yet, but I mean, you're absolutely right. They are talking about things that you don't see in school. They weren't talked about around the dinner table at my house. And, you know, had I not been exposed to mentors who did stuff via video or through books or podcasts, you know, I wouldn't have been exposed to many of the lessons that are in the you know, that video and a lot of the other ideas that you've shared on this podcast. So I think that's amazing. And the fact that you actually have a passion for it and it's not just about the money excites me even more, right? Because 
you 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 described your epiphany on your trip to Iraq, but stop cut short in Amsterdam as you found the door, right? You, you found the back door into what you've been trying to get to and you were never going to get to by being a soldier. You were never going to get to by being that IT professional. Um, you had to go basically work for assets instead of work for dollars. And, you know, for those folks yep. who haven't been exposed to that, they, they stay in the treadmill of, I got to go to work so I can make some money, pay the bills. And you never actually make enough to actually get off that treadmill unless you buy assets along the way um, to kind of stave off the requirement of making money every day. So, Michael, what are you most grateful for right now? Grateful for, I mean, it's, gosh, man. Um, there are too many things to list to be grateful for. Um, I'm definitely grateful for the position I'm in. There's a, there's like a, a proverb that says, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I feel like I'm after more than a decade of entrepreneurialism, um, I'm finally starting to experience some of the success that I knew was possible. And while I know there's a whole lot more ahead and a lot more lessons to be learned and I'm going to screw things up, it's, it's really the, it's like, you know, drinking coffee with your dessert, like the bitter makes the sweet better and the sweet makes the bitter better. So, you know, after, after all the struggle to experience some success is, is very rewarding at the same time. I mean, I'm grateful for my freedom that I'm able to, um, you know, spend every day with my family and my kids. I don't think my kids have any idea how fortunate they are that not all dads, you know, get to stay home with them and hang out at any time. Yeah, just, you know, so much to be grateful for. Yeah, so I, I only know one other person that gets to stay home with their kids all day. And I think it's just the most amazing gift you can get, right? Because that time, you can't ever get that back. Like they're however old they are just for that moment. And it didn't come without sacrifice in the past. Like I'm sure your older children didn't get the same experience. And they also had to endure some of the discomfort. And I think a lot of people are scared of the discomfort piece of it, right? It's like, I don't want to walk through the desert to get to paradise. And so they just walk around the edge of the desert or look at the desert or stare at paradise, but won't actually take the time to go through the desert so they can actually eat. They just rather fantasize about what paradise might be. But you, um, your amazing wife and your family, you guys all made the pilgrimage through and it's, it's really exciting for me to see it because the family is the reason why a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs choose not to do it, right? They say, well, I got kids now or I got a wife now, and so I can't take that chance. I can't take that risk. But you guys, and even when you wanted to turn back, I mean, you were in the middle of the desert and you're like, ah, I'm just going to go get a job. You see the discomfort. You see the lack of security. And you wanted to turn back. He's like, I don't want to take you guys through this. And your wife's like, no, keep going. I believe in you. 
And, you know, if you give up on your dream, then where is that going to leave you as a person? So, you know, there's not a whole lot of women who are like that. So I think you're absolutely right when you say you're extremely fortunate to have her in your world. And I'm sure she gets rewarded very well for having the courage and the fortitude to stick to the decision, even after the feeling of that decision passed. And so I always like to wrap up with one question. If we're right at an hour, so if people didn't hear anything else that you said over the past hour, what's the one message you want them to take away? This entrepreneur thing has for you know most of history, but we're entering a time right now where job security is not a thing anymore and we are moving towards the old economic model of families who have a trade or a craft where you know you used to have the cobblers you know who made the shoes and the butchers and their their kids worked alongside them so we're we're returning to that although the jobs have changed and the roles have changed it's really <clears throat> There's never been a more important time to have some sort of an entrepreneurial venture going, um, even if it's just a side hustle, and to be teaching that to your children because the world of tomorrow is going to be very different. If you're not equipping your children with those skills and that knowledge, um, not to be harsh, but you're, you're setting them up for failure. Wow. Yeah. So you, do you believe that entrepreneurship can be taught to anybody? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yep. Yep, absolutely. My uh my my kids play one of Robert Kiyosaki's games, Cash Flow for Kids. They know the difference between an asset and a liability. They know about investing. Um, it's hard to get them to sit still for the whole money revealed series, but they've watched some of it. Um, and you know, we, we homeschool them because we don't want them to get indoctrinated. We don't want them turned into, into worker bees. We want them to be out there pursuing passions and, and changing the world through capitalism. I mean, like, dude, like people, if, if you're scared, just do it, man. Like, don't, don't let fear stop you. Don't let failure stop you. Like, go for it. Like, the, the dreams aren't going to happen if you don't chase them. Um, and and my, my take is that there's, a, there's a, a Bible verse that says God will give you the desires of your heart. I think that means not only that get what you want, but that the very desires that you have inside of you were put there by God. They're there for a reason because that's what you're supposed to do. I love it. Michael, I really appreciate your vulnerability, your transparency, and just the way you showed up in full for this conversation today. I'm grateful to have met you a few weeks ago. And I look forward to continuing to build our relationship as you grow your business in real estate and all these other things you're doing, man. It's, it's just awesome to see young people doing amazing things. And so, again, thank you. We'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. If you want to learn more about Dreamcatchers, please visit the website at dreamsubereal.com. If you can think of someone who would benefit from these types of opportunities and are willing to share what we're doing with them, we would greatly appreciate it.